Hi, and welcome to Thriving with Sarah and Jenny. Please join us as we explore how you can enjoy a happier life and a fulfilling career, things that aren't always that easy in our modern world. We'll be taking a look to how you can explore well-being both inside and outside the workplace, how to prevent burnout, how to achieve true happiness in work and life, and so much more. So stick around. Hey, and welcome back to Thriving with Sarah and Jenny. Today, we are going to start a discussion on psychological safety because we think this might need a few sessions or we might need to come back to it. Um, so thank you for joining us today. Uh, and thank you, Jenny, for being here. What is psychological safety for you, Jenny? What is psychological safety? That's such a good question to start with because I think if you ask three or six different people, you're going to get three or six different answers because I think we've all got our own interpretation. Um, For me, psychological safety is knowing that you can go to your place of work Mm -hmm. uh, confident that you will feel supported, acknowledged, respected, and you feel quite okay to speak up if you see something isn't quite right or to ask a clarifying question if you're not quite sure. And you're not afraid that somebody's going to give you that roll of the eyes, lifting of the eyebrows sort of look when you get up to speak in a meeting or publicly humiliate you or call you out in front of your peers. Because I don't know about you, Sarah, but I hear terrible stories of this happening far too often. And I just think it's so horrible. And I know if that was me, uh, I would be experiencing psychological danger, not safety. (laughs) And I probably want to run away and never go back to that place again. So so what do you, what do you, what's your interpretation of it? Yeah, I think that's, it is exactly right. It's about, and for me, psychological safety is kind of the the word and when, and, and we can give it that kind of, um, the description, like you said, of, you know, being able to go to work and feel safe to raise problems and this and that. But there's a little underlying feeling for me that is, again, I think like employee engagement, psychological safety is an outcome of creating a working environment where people are connected and supported. Because like you, one, I've experienced real toxic situations where someone calls you out or dresses you down um, or full on embarrasses you in front of your work colleagues, which again, someone like me, that makes me want to hide under the chair and cry and uh, never come back again. (laughs) I guess the reason I think it's an outcome of a good working culture or a good working environment, or as we talk about a happy working environment is because I have seen people use psychological safety label to say really horrible things or to be really negative or to be really destructive. And then the answer becomes, well, why are you taking it personally? I just want to make stuff better. And so then you're no, 
so for me, there's, there's, yes, you can make mistakes and you are you don't have a fear of this, but I think there's also some groundwork we need to be putting into that. So it's a bit of a longer, I guess, talk about psychological safety, but I think because it's such a buzzword right now, if people are going, we're going to create a psychologically safe workplace, and that's where people can make mistakes and um, say things that they want. You can speak your mind or, or whatever. We just need to be a little careful about putting psychological safety in the place where positivity turned into toxic positivity or where honesty turned into brutal honesty, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Brutal honesty is 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 damaging. It's horrible. Um, so, yeah, I think it's really important that if if any organization or business is thinking seriously about, well, perhaps we need to look at this psychological safety thing, what it is and what it means and the benefits it will produce or bring to the company, then then you're starting on a safer platform whereby you can avoid some of that, uh, well, yeah, I'm going to allow you to say what you like within limits, um, but that doesn't mean I'm going to listen to you um, or cherish your idea. I might take it for myself and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> so exactly. I think, I think it's, yeah. it's, it's something that needs to be treated very carefully and, with, and to put very clear boundaries in place as to what it is and what it isn't so that everybody understands exactly what to expect and how it works. Because yeah. um, when, when I've worked with different companies who are saying, Jenny, we desperately need you to come in and talk to us about psychological safety because we need it now. I'm thinking, oh, they're looking for a quick <laughs> I can't just write out the prescription. Here's your psychological safety outline. Please take one three times a day for the next week and it'll all be fine. Oh, Jenny, I love that. I think the prescription for psychological safety. <laughs> we know it doesn't work like that. We know that it's it takes time, it takes energy, it takes perseverance because we all stuff up because we're human and sometimes you might have the best of intentions. <laughs> We don't always follow through on them. So no. it's it's about gradual behavioural change and it has to be led. It has to be led from the top. If you don't get the buy-in oh. from the top people, yeah. it's not going to happen. And I always feel sad for those organisations where I've been invited in for those situations that I've just described. Yeah. And it's very clear that the issue is the person at the top. Where yeah. They've got no insight. They've got no interest <laughs> and they've got absolutely zero motivation to be involved in any shape or form. And, and, and honestly, there was one situation where I was being brought in and the CEO basically said, well, you can do all this. I think it's a fantastic idea because, you know, it's going to do this, that and the other. But I'm terribly busy and I won't be involved in the proceedings. And I'm thinking, What? no that's not how it works so basically I had to sort of say quite categorically well if you're not willing to be involved I'm not willing to provide this to your your yeah. team and your department because it's not fair it's not fair to provide them the tools and strategies which they understand but then they've got that real understanding of what the, or who the real problem is is exactly, um, and exactly. that can make people feel worse. So I think, and, well, and that's it. You know, you you can say a couple of the things you said there. 
you can say you care about psychological safety, but until you actually care about people, yes, you're you don't have psychological safety. Yeah. And also, I think saying I want psychological safety <laughs> again. If you really want that, what you want is for people to feel psychologically safe. Yes. How you do that is what you do. You know, how do you do that? And what are the behaviors that, as you said, behaviors? But if you are, you know, sitting there in your organization going, well, we want psychological safety. <laughs> it's it's almost like a thing you can't, you can't just have. Like you said, it's not a prescription you write. Um, and it's when when our leaders are either not involved or not understanding, or I've seen it where a leader thinks there's psychological safety, you know, they think they've given, well, I've said everything or I've done everything or no, of course there's no fear of reprisal. And you're like, but actually what does your behavior do? Uh, And sometimes it's because there's nothing from the leader then what do we do? We assume the worst. <laughs> so, you know, if you're if you take that a little bit farther, you need to have. Are you hearing positive feedback? Do you know what positive feedback looks like and feels like? Do you know? Are you given clear boundaries, freedom within those clear boundaries, which we've talked about a myriad of times? Because <laughs> when we don't do that, and when we don't have psychological safety, or when we just have nothing, then where do we go? We go fight or flight. Our brains closed down. Absolutely. Yeah, we've got we've got no interest in innovation, in doing anything more. And I have seen I have seen a company which, wowzer. So I think they now know they have a problem, but they have done things like people have left the organization, rightly or wrongly, mm-hmm. who have been there for a very long time, like that. Nobody mm-hmm. talked about it. Oh. And then they want to know what's wrong. <laughs> and, and you're going, I don't think people are going to feel comfortable letting you know what's wrong when this is what they've seen. And now, because you haven't said anything, nobody, you know, there's no clarity, there's no reality. The converse being, I once worked in a company, we were very small. And someone didn't pass their probation. And the, enti- you know, the entire group of us came into the room. The leaders explained exactly what had happened without sharing personal details. Yeah. But as much as they could share, this is what's happened. This is the why. There's absolutely no risk to anyone else. Um, there's no risk to jobs or the company or anything. So we have an open conversation um, about this and then the invitation to go and speak to the leaders one-on-one afterwards and I'll tell you what that created psychological safety because real honesty real open and transparency right and I think honesty and transparency are different aren't they yes and <laughs> yes. <laughs> because honesty can sometimes be like you said before a little bit brutal if you're too honest <laughs> Sometimes you have to cage it or couch it in just slightly yeah. softer terms. Exactly. And honesty, though, is not telling fibs. Um, exactly. Yes. Yeah. 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 And yeah. saying, I, I can't tell you this, but I can tell you, yeah. that's honesty. You know, that's that's transparency. Um, and we don't have to share everything. That's, you know, there are things that are too much for everybody to know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
but that really set a tone for me in that organization. Um, and so even a, I guess, perceptually scary experience yeah. was okay. Good. Yeah. Um, so what, what do you think, what, if you're not the CEO or the leader of a company, how can you, and maybe you are either aware of your environment not being psychologically safe, mm. or you're maybe wanting to create more of that, um, or you're starting out and you want to learn about how to create it, Jenny, what, what do people need to be thinking about? I think you need to be aware of how a lack of safety makes you feel, because mm. I think it provokes, um, well, certainly when I've, I was working in a team where we were all terrified of the leader, <laughs> who was a consultant, who, who shall remain nameless. Um, but, you know, we, nobody felt free to speak up and say anything because what he hated was incompetence. And so our fear was if we spoke up and he deemed it incompetent, we would be labelled forevermore incompetent, this person is not worthy of listening to in any shape or form. So I think, <laughs> but, um, and sometimes I think we can be seen as a nuisance in that environment where you're not quite sure what you're being asked to do. And so you're, you're desperately wanting to do the right thing. Cause I think most of us do, you know, we go in to do a good job and it's like, well, yeah, I'm going to do a great, great presentation or whatever it is we're doing but I'm not quite sure that I've got the topic quite right so you ask a question just to get it sorted and you're seen as a nuisance because you're asking too many questions um, mm -hmm. and yet then you'll start seen in a negative light and you think oh I'm just trying to do my best here I mean we do know those people who ask too many questions all the time <laughs> but that's a different that's a different thing um well, I think nobody wants to be seen as being ignorant or incompetent um, and and not able to, to ask a question and get a sensible answer at the right time. So I think if we understand what's making us feel unsafe, then we can sort of tap in to say, okay, well, if I'm make, being made to feel incompetent because I know the reaction I might get from this other person is X, Y, or Z, you could yep. tap them to say, well, you know what? I'm not incompetent. I know I'm not incompetent. I have a certain skill set. I've got you know, strengths in this area. I'm definitely yep. not incompetent. So it's about boosting our self-esteem and self-worth to think, well, that's their problem. It's I don't have to buy it for myself and yep. try to lead from that space um, so that you, you bolster your sense of self-worth and um, and mental well-being, essentially, so you don't get ground down by this sort of relentless, you know, the furrowing of the eyebrows and what <laughs> Dr. Brock is. <laughs> it makes me feel uncomfortable just thinking about that. <laughs> and some people dangerous. are better. It's so dangerous. Some people, I think, are better at, at being in those environments than others, yeah, and they don't, sure. they don't take it personally, do they? And so yeah. sometimes... Um, creating I guess a bit of a a protective layer for ourselves oh, for sure. can I, can be helpful yeah. um and I think finding the courage within to to step up and and speak out 
even though you know you might be shot down in flames because I think it's only by taking that stance and doing what you know is actually more helpful and healthy that you can start Mm -hmm. to change what's going on around you because I think the most dangerous working environments that I've come across are those where everybody is working in silence nobody says boo to a goose you know everybody is doing their own little independent thing and it's like don't speak to me because you know whatever um so I think the silent workplace is a is probably the most toxic workplace of all oh that's such a yeah if you if you are in a place where that's what you see or that's the behavior you're seeing that could be a really good light bulb moment right well We've got somebody in our our family group at the moment who's just changed uh, a role and he's now found himself in that exact situation. He's moved from a place where he felt supported. People would talk with each other, go and grab a coffee together, you know, normal stuff, but do a good job as well to this place where when the boss is around, it's zip the lip. You're not allowed to speak to each other. And it's do as I say or else. And he said the sense of morale and motivation has gone as a consequence. And the sad thing is that the the person in charge is one of those people who has a total blind spot as to the fact that they may be contributing to why people don't want to stay in that particular area for too long. And they leave as quickly as they can. It's hard. It's hard to understand. And like self-awareness is such a key Mm. piece to Mm. leading in this way and to understanding it. Um, Something that we have seen at Happy Coffee, uh, you know, we have a a coaching program where we're connecting people. Um, And I think for me, before I guess I studied, you know, anything about organizational psychology or happiness at work or, you know, long before that, the places where work was amazing, amazing work got done, um, where I felt happy at work, all those things. And the outcome, I believe, was all of the stuff that we're talking about today are places where I was friends with the people I worked with. Yeah. Because, again, and I and we've talked about relationships at work. I'm sure we'll talk about it again. But... Where do you feel safe with real, true friends who care about you? And I think when, for me, when you know that the people you work with are your friends and they care about you, then irrespective of that, then you can start having uncomfortable, challenging conversations. Because you know they love you. And actually, those can be exciting conversations where they're pushing you to be better. My husband works with a, an engineer who's also his friend. They share a love of kind of Formula One and other things like that. And he described some of their um, design meetings in that they love trying to find a fault with the other person's design. It's like a game yep. because then they're making the best thing possible. Yes, lovely. Which is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. If that gets broken, if you lack the friendship aspect of that, then it becomes toxic. And it's so, Mm. what is it? Psychological safety takes years to build and minutes to destroy, right? Yeah. 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 (laughs) So 
focusing for me, the kind of psychological safety as an outcome can be helped by focusing on fostering true relationships. You're not going to love everyone at work. They're not all going to be your best friends, but fostering true relationships where people can share their own personal stories, where they understand they can be vulnerable. They, they can be connected to each other. They know about the other person. To me, that is kind of the, that's where the magic starts to happen. Because when I know you care about me, Jenny, then actually, if you challenge me on my work, I can see that only as us trying to work together towards something bigger than ourselves. If I don't think you care about me as a person, I will hear that as an attack. Fight or flight hits. Yep. Oof. Forget about it. <laughs> <laughs> and I think we we take, um, when we have that support from other people around us, it makes us able to take on those times where maybe somebody just call us out um, yeah. or we yeah. have that sort of unpleasant, awkward conversation with somebody else. If you know that, other people around you, regardless of what the interaction is between you and this other person is, are there and they will get you and they've got your oh, and yeah. then you know that it's not going to diminish you to the same amount uh, yes. as if you didn't have that friendship that's that was pre-existing. So I think again, the you know, the interpersonal relationships at any level. Um, yeah. and it's like with with the leader, I mean. Leadership is can be quite a lonely thing, and I think even leaders uh, would would readily say that you know, sometimes it's good to have somebody else you can talk to other than your spouse or your partner. <laughs> um, yeah, and so I always, you know, in, in my leadership coaching, I I encourage them and I say, well, who's in your inner circle? Who do you speak to about these things, so that you feel buoyed up and confident that you know, because not all business is is swimmingly fantastic all the time we, everybody goes through these sort of downturns at some time so i think it's it's important for everybody whatever you know rank file or number you've got is is to know that you've got somebody that you have around you that you can mm. talk to and even if it's just one person it doesn't matter and yeah. i think gallup's done lots of research on this too saying well if you have a best friend best you know, friend work. so much yeah. better um but even having a friend somebody that yeah. you can go and grab a coffee with is a yeah. great start so i think we oh can my gosh you can them. yeah so someone you can exercise your chimp to as well when you want to just be like ah! <laughs> And they can maybe talk you out of the crazy tree, which I quite often climb up. Um, <laughs> but also, I think I love in that aspect, um, co-management and co-leadership is something I saw very beautifully done. A company called Next Jump. Check them out. Everyone has a has a co-manager leader. Every position has two people in it. Wow. And uh, also uh, Menlo um, in the U.S., um, Rich Sheridan's company, they are co- they do they write code and they are they have co-coding. So um, obviously COVID notwithstanding, every pair of coders has one screen and one keyboard between them and and they're way faster. They make less mistakes. It's like kind of this um, this magical thing. 
and I practiced co-management myself in my in my last role in a in an organization. And man, does it make a difference. Like you said, just having someone to as a leader to bounce those ideas off of, to get something to, to help you form those ideas. You know, we have this idea that we have to be perfect and present these perfectly formulated ideas with all of the plans and all of the thought out stuff. And, and that's just not true. You know? yeah. <laughs> uh, many minds make, make much better work, right? So <laughs> um, yeah, is there someone in your space that is your co-manager, your co-leader, could you explore that? Could you create that in your environment? Um, that's a, that's a, good, uh, a good challenge for people out there. <laughs> well, I think that's what we should leave our listeners with as their challenge Perfect. week. Okay. Uh, please share with us your own experience, if you have one, of yeah. being uh, a co-manager, co-leader, whatever, um, where it's made a positive difference to how you feel about your work in general and, you know, your overall performance. Love to hear that. Excellent. Perfect. Mm -hmm. Thanks so much for joining us today. And we'll see you next time. Same place, same back channel. Bye for now. Bye. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Thriving with Sarah and Jenny. We hope you've enjoyed listening to it as much as we did recording it. And you can always get involved in the well-being conversation at all of our social links in the show notes. Until next time, stay safe, stay happy, and thrive in whatever you do.